Good morning, good morning, Definition Church. How you guys doing? So glad to see you, so glad to see you. My name is Eric Freeman. I'm one of the executive pastors here at Definition Church, and I'm also uh, the president of Cultivate Leadership Institute, which you might have heard a little bit about, and we'll talk a little bit about that just in a few minutes. But today, what I want to do, my main goal is to encourage you. How many people need some encouragement in their life today? Raise your hand. Come on, everybody, raise your hand. Come on. Need some participation today. So with, with that, I believe that we live in a culture where our enemy's telling us lies all the time about who we are. It's constantly threatening our identity. And today we want to expose all those lies. We want to bring them into the light and see what God says about us, right? That's actually what we've just been singing about and that's what we're talking about. And we've got another song after this, all on this idea that we were made by the master. You're made by the master. You guys really believe that you're made by the master. As we get started today, I wanted to share this quick story. And I'm, I'm just going to let you know, as I share this, you're going to be like, that didn't really happen. I promise you it happens. I love stories, and I love when crazy things happen. I actually really enjoy it. So one day, I'm sitting in my office. Like my phone rings, and uh, I'm not able to take it, so I let it go to voicemail. And I actually forgot about it. And on my way home, I was like, well, I better listen to my voicemails. i got a 30-minute drive home, and so I'm just listening. And it's this uh, detective. And he goes, hey, Mr. Freeman, this is Detective so-and-so. I want to let you know that I've been looking for you for the last few months. And I'm like, what have I done? You know, I'm like freaking out. And he's like, he said, hey, it's just going to be easier for you if you'll just go ahead and turn yourself in. And I'll be a lot easier. And I'm like, you know, I'm like riding down the road freaking out. So I'm like, somebody's got to be playing a joke on me. So I call one of my police officer friends and I'm like, hey, like I got this call from this detective. He goes, oh yeah, I know that detective. He's real. Like you better call him back. And I'm like, either he's in on it too, or like, this is like the worst day of my life. I'm like, I'm going to prison. Like, you know, I don't know what's going on. And so I call him back and I said, hey, this is Eric Freeman. He goes, oh, I can't believe that you called me back. And I said, well, you asked me to call you back, so I'm calling you back. And he says, well, uh, I've been looking for you, and you got away from me last weekend. And I'm like, so he, said, he starts reading off all of my offenses, and it's a long list. And like, so he just keeps going on and on and on. And he goes, so what do you want to do? Do you want to turn yourself in? And I said, I, said, I, I have to be honest with you. I said, I don't know what we're talking about. And he goes, oh, don't play dumb with me. And I said, no, I'm serious. I said, I'm a pastor at a church, and I've never even thought about some of those things that you said. Like, like I didn't do those. And he goes, uh, give me just a minute, Mr. Freeman. And he puts me on hold, and, you know, my heart's just beating like crazy. And uh, he, he, uh, he, he comes back on, and he said, uh, Mr. Freeman, I have made a tremendous mistake. He said, there is another Eric Freeman, and he's done a lot of bad things. But that's not you. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, you can't do that to people, right? And so he said, my mistake, please forgive me. And I said, forgiven. But in that moment, I realized that my identity is pretty important, right? Our identity is important. And in the same way, we have an enemy who's constantly trying to attack our identity in Christ, right? Because if he can get us to live in a lie, we'll never live into our purpose and what God has called us to do, Amen. So listen to what Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Let me just pause and say there's more than what meets the eye. 
We, have, we are in a spiritual battle. You are in a spiritual battle right now for your identity and for your soul. It says he is the spirit at work in our hearts, excuse me, in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And you used to live this way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. That's how we all used to live, right? We were kind of duped. We were fooled because we were living in a false self. So what is a false self? Psychologists would let you know that a, a false self or a false identity, it's actually something that we uh, don't even think about, but it comes about in our adolescence. And it's how we cope with life, how we deal with fear, how we deal with anxiety, how we protect ourselves. So two of them for me, uh, one that uh, I really struggled with for many years of my life was, Eric, you've got to perform, and if you don't perform, nobody will love you. So I had to be the best in sports. I played baseball all the way up to college. I did that pretty much all the time. When I was in college, I had to make the best grades. I had to be the top of my class. And so it kind of pushed me. It made me strive after things that God, God loved me anyways, right? He said, I don't, I'm, my love for you is not based upon your performance, but it's a lie that I believed. Another one was, and you might think this is crazy, but it's really something that I struggled with for most of my life, was the enemy would tell me on a regular basis, Eric, you're stupid. You're stupid. Other people are smarter than you because look at the way they can figure out these things. And so what did that force me to do? It made me be the best in my class, to graduate with the highest honors, to get the most education. It made me strive after these things when God said, I made your mind and I love you exactly like you are, right? I was striving after something. And so what is it today? I'm pretty sure that you know exactly what it is. What's the two or three lies that you've been living with and it's been on your shoulder and on your mind your whole life? What is it? You know exactly what they are. You think about them, you probably already thought about this morning. Because what we want to do is we want to expose those few things today. I want to bring them into the light and we want to see what Jesus has to say about it. And let's live in some freedom today. Who wants to do that? All right. So here's the first point. There's just two points today. The first point is the master chose you. The master chose you. You are made by the master. Listen to what Ephesians uh, chapter one, verses three through five says. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ, even before he made the world, God loves us, and here it is, God chose us. You can put your name right there. God chose you in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. You mean, wait a minute, you mean that God sees me without fault? I see my faults. I see all the things, all my shortcomings. Does God see those? No, you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And God sees you as perfect and holy. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, this is what I love here. This, this, we're getting better here. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. And this is my favorite part of this verse. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God chose you and it gave him great pleasure. Now we see Peter saying the same thing. Now Peter, now Peter made a lot of mistakes, right? But we see Peter saying the same thing in his letter. This is what he said in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11, because he wants the early church to know their identity in Christ. He says, but you are a chosen people. There it is again. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, um, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you're not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you've not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against 
your soul. Now we could preach a whole message just on this passage right here, but I wanna highlight just a few things about what God is speaking over you right now in this moment. He wants you to understand these things. So pull out your phone, type it, you can, you can write it. These are just a few things. Number one, you're a child of God. We just sang it. You're a child of God. I think about how much I love my kids and I'm like, I'm, I'm human. How much more does God love me, right? God loves us. Number two, you're a priest. Some of you are like, well, I don't really want, I'm not sure if I want to be a priest, Eric, right? I'm not sure the responsibilities of that. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that you have communion with God. In the Old Testament, it was only the priests got to go into the Holy of Holies to commune and have intercession with God. It was a special relationship. God goes, door's wide open, come on in. I wanna spend time with you. Second thing is you're his bride. You're like, eh, that seems a little bit weird too. Not sure what that is. Here's what it means. Think about a husband and a wife. Think about the intimacy. Now, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about the mingling of souls. That's what, the, what scripture says when it says one flesh. I am one with God. The spirit of God dwells in you. The holy God who created everything that we see and know lives in you. That's the God that we worship. The next thing is you're his servant. Really what it is, is now that I've received God's love, I, this, is, this is my prayer. God, whatever you wanna do with my life. The only thing I wanna do today is love you and love people. I wanna love people more. God, give me more love for people. Give me, give me compassion and kindness and I wanna be generous to people. I'm, I'm serving your kingdom. I'm no longer building Eric Freeman's kingdom. I'm building yours, right? Next thing is I'm an ambassador. What does that mean? It means that I used to be over here in the darkness. That got exposed. And this is what I'm in this process and I'm moving forward in my purpose and I'm letting everybody know about it. The next thing is you're a friend of God. I, I love this. Pastor Allen's been sharing this and I, it so resonated with me that we would be fully known by God and fully loved. God knows all the mess. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. God sees all that and God goes, I'm crazy about you. I love you. And then the last thing is that we're an alien in this culture. We're called to be set apart. We, now we live in the culture and we're, we're called to interact, but really we're set apart. We, we, build and we build a different kingdom and we're working for God, right? We're in relationship with him. So we wanna make sure we don't get caught up in materialism, on our positions and our accolades and all the different things that we can get caught up in with entertainment in our culture, right? We wanna live for God's kingdom. So you might say, Eric, why is this identity thing such a big deal for you? Well, if you haven't noticed, it's a pretty big deal for me because I think about it on a regular basis. And the reason why is because my parents stressed this in my life. This is actually something, I'm a pretty sentimental person and I like to keep little things that, that mean stuff to me. This is actually something that hung on my door all of my childhood. It's my name, Eric, and, the name, and my purpose of my name, meaning of my name is godly power godly power. Do you think it's any coincidence that I'm standing here today? Because my parents would look at me in the eye and they would say, Eric, you are called by God. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and you are called to be a leader in your generation and you will not back down. Now, there was some times when I did some foolish things and I didn't want to do that, that you might look at my life and go that, you know, the ship is sinking, this thing's going downhill fast, Right? But God was working in all that, right? Because somebody spoke truth over my life of who I am and what God has called me to be. Some of you know my wife. Uh, this is actually a, was a big theme in her home as well. 
And so her name is Amanda, which means one who is loved or one who's worthy of love. And if you know my life, my wife, you want to be around her. Why? Because she loves so well. Why does she love so well? Because her parents told her all of her life that God loves her. She received the love of God, and so she can freely give her love to other people. It's one of the things that really drew me to her in our relationship. Now, as I, as I said, I'm, I'm pretty big on this. And so when we were naming our kids, you can imagine this was a, this was a big thing. Like, this took like nine months. I had all these books. We're looking at Hebrew names. My wife is like, you cannot name our child that. Like, you know, I'm like, well, you know, we can almost pronounce it right. But it was a big deal because I, we prayed, we fasted. And I said, God, you know, what is the purpose of my children's names? And so my youngest daughter names Edith Ariana which means one uh, who brings light and one who is wise. Actually, this is her verse. Look on the screen here. This is her life verse. Every morning she wakes up, boom, there it is. Every morning, every morning. If I were to bring my little Edith on stage right now and I gave her the mic and I say, Edith, what's your name mean? She'd say, one who's wise. You think my daughter's gonna make foolish decisions and fail? Yes, she will, but she's gonna come back to her identity because I'm gonna speak it over till the day I die. My oldest daughter is Amelia Elise, which means work of God and dedicated to God. She's my firstborn, so God gets the first. Her life is dedicated to God. And I've told her her whole life, you're gonna do a great work of God. You're not like anybody else in your generation. You are called to establish the kingdom of God. You are dedicated for his kingdom and for his purposes. Here's her life verse. Every morning, boom, there it is. Parker just read it. Every morning, you're a masterpiece. You're God's workmanship. God loves you. So here's the thing that I want us to get today. Now, I'm not saying go out and, and change your names. I'm not saying that. And I know, actually, I know some of y'all are gonna look it up on your phone. I wonder what my name means, right? And there's some, funny, there's some funny meanings out there. Don't get too caught up in that. What I'm trying to tell you is, is you have an enemy who's been speaking some things over you and they're not true. Amen. And today, you need to hear what God says about you. You need to believe in your heart not just to say it, but to believe it in your heart that the master chose you, that the master chose you. Here's the second point. I want two points today. Number one, master chose you. Number two, the master delights in you. The master delights in you. We see this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. I wanna read that verse again, even though Parker just read it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. If we actually look in the other translations uh, of this verse, you would see words like for master priests, like handiwork and workmanship. So God, if you think about this, before you were ever born, God had all of these things. They're just sitting there and he's going, hey, you want them? You wanna live into that? I have a purpose for you. I have a plan. Do you wanna live into that? That's what he's saying. And here's the thing that we like to mention on a regular basis. There's redemptive potential in every moment. The things that in your life right now that you're like, man, I don't like this. This feels uncomfortable to me and I don't like it. God's like, don't worry about that. I'm still using it. I'm still using it. Everything in your life, I'm gonna use it because I'm, a, I'm like a, a master who's working every area of your life to make you a masterpiece. We see this in Isaiah's book as well. He actually mentions it multiple times. But he says in Isaiah 64, he says, Oh Lord, you're our father and we're the clay and you're the potter. We all are formed by your hand. I want you to think about that today. Just God's shaping, God's moving, God's working in your life because you are 
a masterpiece. Now, what comes to mind when you think of a masterpiece? Just imagine just for a second what comes to mind. I want to just show you a few examples of what you would probably think of when you think of masterpiece. Here's the first one. It's the Mona Lisa. It was painted in 1504 by Leonardo da Vinci. You would look at that and you're like, oh, masterpiece. It's the most famous work of art that the more people have seen this than any other piece of art. It's in the Louvre, right, in Paris, France. Like, it's a masterpiece because it was, it was painted by a master. We know that Leonardo da Vinci was a genius, right? Here's another one that you might think of. This is Michelangelo's statue of David. Now, this is 18 feet out of one piece of marble. I'm just showing you his head. Crazy, crazy. It took him four years to do it. He was 25 years old when he did it. But lo- notice the pupils of this statue. What are they? Their heart. Why? Because David was a man after God's own heart. See that Michelangelo, he's a master. He's shaping. He knows exactly what to do. He knows every detail. It's a masterpiece. Now, we're going to do something that's a little bit different. You really don't do this very much, but I I not only want us to think about a masterpiece with our mind and with our eyes, but I want us to listen to one as well. So if you would, just close close your eyes. We're going to listen to a piece of music for 30 seconds, and then I'm going to explain to you why it's a masterpiece. Go ahead and play that, guys. Now open up your eyes. What were you listening to? You're listening to the second movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I'm, I'm kind of a geek about stuff like this. I love classical music and music history. I know there's probably no one else that does. Uh, but I, I just enjoy it. And let me tell you why this is a masterpiece. The reason why it's a masterpiece is because Beethoven was around 53 years old when he wrote this. He died at 54. He was completely deaf when he wrote that. What? What? Completely deaf. He actually conducted this orchestra in Vienna and he was five bars off from the orchestra. So they're finished and he's just up there, you know, just going at it. They actually have to come and tap him on the shoulder to let him know that the crowd behind him is giving him a standing ovation, five standing ovations. They knew he was deaf. How in the world could somebody write that? You know what he did? He was such a master. He would actually take his his ear and he would put it on the piano and he would play out the notes and he was listening to the vibrations of the frequency of the strings. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. God thinks about you the same way. See, I believe that we say all the time God loves us and we sing songs about it. God is love, right? But I think if we're honest and been true for my life, that I would say God loved me, but I didn't believe God liked me. And there's some of you today, you don't believe God likes what he sees. I want you to think about this just for a second. This is a a canvas. And it's blank. It represents your life. What do you see? 
Do you see disappointment? Do you see all of your mistakes? If this were to represent your life, what do you see? Just be honest with yourself. See, I, I think God sees that portrait of your life and says, masterpiece, masterpiece. This is the way I like to envision God. Scripture doesn't say this, this is just my vision. I think that heaven, the God's up in heaven and he's looking at someone, he's going, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Look at him, look at him. I, I can't believe it, look at him. He's doing exactly what I called him to do. Oh my goodness, I'm so proud of him. He's like a proud dad. Or he's over here going, hey, come here, come here, come here. Look at her. She's so beautiful. Look at her. She just showed compassion and love for that person when she shouldn't have. That was her enemy and she loves them. Man, that's me and her. I'm so proud of her. That's the way God views you. You're made by the master. The master chose you. The master delights in you. So we gotta, we gotta ask ourselves today, do we really believe it? Do we really not? We don't want to just say it, but we, do, we, do we really believe it? You know, the truth is, is there's some people in the room and you would say, I don't have a relationship with God. And I have never thought that God would really want anything to do with me. I thought he was standing up there mad and I could never please him. Here's the thing you got to know. Your relationship with God is not based upon your performance. That's the world. You know, at work, we have performance reviews. And even in our relationships, how did you perform? And what did you do for me lately? The whole idea. We're, we're all on this idea of performance, not with God. God says, I love you not based upon your performance, but because of who I am, because of what I've done. So here's the question. Here's the question. Will you receive that free gift today? It's that simple. Listen to what scripture says. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. All you gotta do is believe. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so that none of us can boast about it. It's just a free gift. And with a gift, you have to receive it, right? I wanna invite you in this moment to receive it. If you would, just close your eyes. If that's you, or maybe even you, you've walked away from God, you wanna just rededicate your life I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Dear Jesus, thank you that you gave your life for me. I can't believe that you would call me a masterpiece. But if you say it, it's true. So I confess my sin. I confess my need for a Savior. Oh God, thank you for saving me. 